Okay, we are going to talk about sin in the Bible, according to the Old Testament. And we are going to use the Hebrew words, but don't focus so much on those Hebrew words. Actually, I'm going to leave them out. They are not going to, you don't know Hebrew, so I'm going to leave them out. Let me take the English words. Sin, according to the Old Testament, first it means missing the mark. Missing the mark. is a failure to reach the expected standards which are expected from you. In relation to other persons, because the human being is a related being, so when we see how is discussed, we look at it from that perspective. You have missed the mark. You have not acted as you are expected according to the expectation of the people as you relate with them. But so you can include in nature in this case because they are dealing with the global warming today. The second way of looking at sin in the Bible is the question of for them look at as a deformity, a deformed condition, a dent, a permanent damage done to the person by an act which is not good or sinful act. When we sin against the people, we create a permanent damage to them by our way of acting. The third way of looking at sin is a rebellion. A rebellion or a violation of human rights, of other, the rights of others. It's the rebellion. And I've seen that Adam rebelled against the will of, no, uh, Adam and Eve rebelled made wrong choices, which God did not expect. So it was a rebellion. The Israelites constantly made a rebellion. They refused to follow the covenant. They rebelled against God, and they were forced to go into the exile. So that's another notion. Fourthly, it means infidelity. A breach, you break the you fail to meet the obligations. Breach of trust. That is so. Those are the four major ways of looking at sin in the Holy Testament. Missing the mark, causing a deformity condition on others, or on yourself, rebelling against God and violating other people's rights, and lastly, being unfaithful with the agreements made with people and God. Therefore, sin has many dimensions. That's why at times you have to be very careful before you claim to be a saint. People have to look into all these dimensions. Have you missed the mark 
Are you something you're supposed to do and you have not done them? Have you rebelled? Have you caused the damage to others? Have you been unfaithful in one way or the other? All those are dimensions of sin. So when you are dealing with the sin in this regard, so for the Israelites, always look in relation to the covenant relationship they made with God and with each other. Therefore, Sin also can be regarded as a failure to respond to God's initiative. You have this in your notes. You can write, it's up to you. But you can make your summaries. Failure to, because I'm not going to read everything, but it is in your notes. Failure to respond to the will of God or God's initiative in the history of the people of Israel have been persistent and faithful. So they have been sinful. Adoring things which are not God or false gods, called idolatry. We substitute creatures to God and we give them a place of God instead of God and we put them there. Holiday, that is idolatry. Uh, is it still there going on today? Of course. It can be anything, can become an idol and we worship it. You may not necessarily need for it, but you may crave for it. Can, money can become an idol. Like in Uganda, my, my idol worship of money is there. You pour money, the parliamentarian will fall for anything. Anything, anything. Some are not, not all of them. Some. Some are, they have resisted the idolatry of money, but some are blinded by that. That is sin. A refusal of God also is a sin. Well, how do you refuse God? People refuse God. They don't need God. What does God did not create as puppets? We are not puppets of God. Because our God is God is freedom. And He created us in His image. So we have the freedom to reject Him or to accept Him. We are not His puppets. That we do whatever He tells us. No. We have the freedom. But who suffers the consequences? Us. Would God be God if we stop going to church? Huh? Would God be God if we stop going to church? God does not need your going to church or praising, spending sleepless nights. You do it for your purpose. It helps you to purify you and become a stronger person. Because the world is not easy. But you can be tempted that you don't need to go there. You are the loser. Because God remains God. Whether you prayed or not prayed, God remains God. Prayer helps you. And when, the, when you have self, find the key that helps you, then you can't detach yourself from prayer. Yes. I'm not sure about that. I'm, too, I'm exploring it. You, yes, it could be true. Tell us. Eh? When you when you what? Hey. 
He doesn't what? He won't miracles. Miracles for what? First of all, you're a miracle already. What miracles do you need? You're a miracle already. Uh huh. Then you become a Who told you? <laughs> which disaster? Which disaster did they come to because they didn't go to? Tell me which one. The floods in the Kampala. Tell us. COVID? God! I'm not sure about that. God has not brought that disaster. That is bad. Bad. Wait, wait, wait. That is bad science of China, which started. Ah, <laughs> be serious. Historically, since 1949 or 47, when the peoples, whatever, started their revolution, they have damaged the people's religion in China. For us, we had our monasteries there in China. The church had a property in China. The communist government took their property. They are using them as agricultural schools, even in North Korea. They have suppressed the religion. People want to pray. Again, because they have served God, they do their science of making nuclear bombs. Now, what amazes me, there is a disaster in North Korea. Do you know about it? No. They are unable to feed themselves. But every day they are testing nuclear bombs. That's derangement in priorities. Because they have lost the sense of their image of God. When we go to church, we get connected to where we come from. It's like buying a phone. And they don't put on air time. <laughs> How will it work? Uh uh. They recall you. They recall you. But now, if you're on WhatsApp and you don't have the data, even the message which has been sent will not reach you. <laughs> hey. It will not reach you. So you have to put on air time. So they have to go to church. Put on air time, you'll be comfortable. Hey. <laughs> yes. God needed us. Yeah, but God does not need you. He, he loves you. He created you. Did you tell him to create you? No. no. So he knows you are very, very important. But remain God as God. He does not need you. God remains God without you worshipping or do what is right. Because it's like, does your parent need you to be? Or you needed your parent to be? Uh uh. Did they need you to? I'm using the word to be. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do your parents, did, did your parents need you to be 
Or you needed them to be? I needed them to be. They needed to be parents. Eh? Okay. They also, they needed to be parents. But they did not need you to be. But to be alive, that's what I mean. You are coming to their life. You made them to be called father and mother. But without that, they were they are existing. Yes. So our being there, if we behave well, God is praised. But God remains God. Here in the church we have a second Eucharist prayer. It talks about our, no, it's, no, it's a preface. Our praises don't add anything to God's greatness. But it's we who need him for our salve, salvation. You don't add anything. But when you behave well, God is praised. As you behave well, your parents are pray, praised. So, that's the issue. So, the, when we sin, is God hurt when we, are, we sin? Yes. If would, which parent would see a child in misery and he claps hands? God feels pity for us. That's why he's merciful when we have sinned. So when we refuse God, we are refusing a treasure. And he feels pity for us. That's why he continues to send his son to liberate us. God help them to realize that they need me. And I don't want to be in the misery where they are. So apart from being a refusal of God, Sin is a religious reality as a failure to love. And that one we see it already. Failure to, our obligation to love God and to love our neighbor is important. Sin also is regarded as, if, as hardening one's heart. We have it there in the Psalms. Uh, it, it, it's totally Psalm we use every day. Yeah? Uh, people harden their hearts as at the time of Meribah. They are not able to listen to God. Hardening, don't harden your heart. God is gentle, and when you harden your heart, you are not emulating Him. Then, one of the things we don't need to forget that an offense against the neighbor is sin, and one of our neighbor is nature. Then, therefore, according to Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Sin is universal. Sin is universal. Any culture, any generation can be trapped by sin. Sin is not only trapping, it did not trap Adam and Eve, who are figurative figures with figures. In the beginning, but still can entrap us and become victims. Does not only attack whites, does not only attack blacks, or red, whatever, people, brown, whatever. Any creature, especially us, can fall into the trap of sin. Therefore, we go to the notion of temptation. We have talked about sin. Chapter 3 talks about temptation. How does it say temptation is nice? Why is temptation nice? 
You will never. Yes, please. It is nice, helps you discern. Okay. That's one reason. Do you think temptation is nice? Uh huh. What else? Helps us to discern. What else? To discover how some discoveries are not good. You learn learning. So you want to put it, give it that trend, trend of the first parents. By their sin, they are being tempted, they fall into sin, and then they discovered it. And they discovered the misery for us. Uh, do you need to? Do we need to learn by mistakes? Yes. It's one way, but is it the best comfortable way? No. No. Okay. So sin, no temptation is good. Why? Well, I will give you your reasons, but I have given my reason. You will never, never. Be tempted with what is not valuable. Whatever has ever, ever tempted you is of value. And you do not put that value there. You just realize it is a value put by God there or by somebody else. That's what is wonderful with the temptation. Only things which are good, which are attractive, which are delicious, appetizing, can tempt us. Those are the positive quality of a temptation. That's why it is good. It is value. It is only what is valuable, what is attractive, what is delicious, what is appetizing, can tempt you. Either it tempts your fingers, tempts your eyes, tempts your nose, tempts your tongue, you want to taste, your ears, beautiful music, you go, I've had a beautiful music, I continue to find where it is, like that. Value. Now, you have to notice that is something which is valuable, delicious, appetizing, and attractive. It does not mean whatever is valuable is meant for you. Hey. Then you begin to that in your discovery process of what is attractive and valuable, you begin to realize no. Is it made for my status? Then you go back a bit. It can be deceptive that what is valuable, is it, is it meant for me? Not for me? Then you check, you begin to, that's why sister said, it makes us to make a decision, a discernment. Begin to decide, is it meant for me or not? Meant for me or not? Then you are there struggling. That's a negative aspect in it. It can be deceptive. It can puff you up that you get into what is not meant for you. 
And lastly, the other cause, it causes the breakage of relationships. If you fall into it, what is valuable? You make a wrong discernment. And what you take, what you get involved in, what is not made for you. In the end, you end up in a breaking relationship with your creator and with the people. Eh? No, that is not good. Those are the negative aspects of a temptation. But in the beginning, anyone, anything will ever tempt you is valuable. And you don't add, a, you don't put a value to it. You just find the value there. That's why, for Eve, she did not add a value to the fruit. Neither did the snake add a value to the fruit, figuratively. But then, the snake thought it was a value, and convinced Eve it is value, but not it was not made for her and Adam. And then. They fall into the trap. They were deceived. The snake deceived. We are deceived. Deception. And then they broke relationship with God and with each other. They started accusing those who are friends with each other. The man tempted you. The snake tempted you. This struggle between nature and humanity started. The snake became an enemy. The husband became achieving the wife. The wife you gave me, the one who brought this. They were no longer at peace. Domestic violence started. Breakage of relationship. So that is what we have in that story of the temptation. Uh, then, can you live without being, without being tempted? If you are still alive, just be prepared for the journey. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> if you are alive, you have to be tempted. You have to make a discernment. Always go back to the drawing board. These are valuable things. Are they meant for me? Oh, nobody is seeing. Of course. Are they meant for you? I've had this beautiful story of a young man in Sierra Leone who stumbled on uh, a package of uh, $50,000 and he was in a P7. And that boy in a P7, he, the woman was going, from, uh, was going to do shopping or marketing and lost the money. She pleaded, whoever got my money, please bring it back. And the boy who was poor, a piece of any candidate, went and took the whole money back to the woman. A very stupid boy. I'm not sure. <laughs> was tempted like everybody, a package, $50,000. Oh, this package. I hide it, I hide it. But they've seen me. So, everybody, the boy took it back. And uh, the boy has been rewarded by the president of Sierra Leone. First, 
he gave, he's going to get a medal, the highest medal of honor in Australia, because of honesty. Taking things which does not belong to him back to where they belong, for credit. Yeah, it was a value, but it was not for him. He took it back. Then, has been given an opportunity to study scholarship up to master's degree, wherever he wants, in Sierra Leone. Uh -huh. Whether he's still the president or not, but that must stand. Thirdly, was given it to border borders, because he was making a border border, we could hire a border border in the evening to do some money, was given to border borders to improve on his income. And on top of that, he was given $10,000. Wow. Just because he understood the temptation properly. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> yeah. Eh? Understood. Things are attractive, delicious. They're not made for me. Yeah, they take them back, leave them, give them to the owners. Hey, so anyway, that's it. What's gifted? Now, that is about temptation. Now, here are the things you can read about in your notes. Uh, when temptation, we fall into temptation, and we succumb to temptation, then sin begin, begins. And when sin begins, all problems arise, barriers between female and male begin, our relations become turbulency. We are no longer equals, we are choose each other, the man, the woman, and so forth, because of sin. So read it through those consequences. I'm not going to go through those consequences, what happened to Adam and Eve, when after they, they are tempted and they fall into the temptation and then they sinned, they were flushed out of the Garden of Eden and tensions are there. Read it through those things for you. Then what lessons we learn? from the fall of man. One of the things we learn is that uh, there is a question here about sin or evil is in the world. It's there. We can't avoid that. So, the best thing we need to do, how would we handle it? Then you have to know that sin entered into the world because of human, the way humans made their discernment, that is the free choice of human beings. Later on, Jesus will come and struggle against and fight against sin. And that is our duty also to continue to fight against sin. But sin, in a creation story, God did not create sin. Because at the end of the creation story, Genesis chapter one there, what does it say? And everything was very good. It was valuable. Yes. Uh, when you talk about sin, if you come to normal life, sometimes even sin is sin is really actually. What you consider sin, to me, it is not sin. Uh, we are talking of not relativization. We have a problem today of. Uh, relativizing things. We have to be very careful what you regard as sin and not sin. But what has been demarcated as a sin, we know. Killing is sinful. 
you have to be very careful. And ethically, you can urge out, could there be other ways you could have avoided killing a person? They can say you can kill in self-defense. Can't I paralyze you other than killing you? In the military engagement, we are always advised. If you are to, you know that I'm a very, very difficult person. I'm going to hurt you. Paralyze the lower part. You shoot the lower part, not this part. Because the shooting at the upper part means you are leading to death. But if you begin, you say I'm the enemy, try to paralyze me, paralyze the lower part, shoot the limbs, not the upper part. Then I take me out of the hostel, whatever, out of the prison, out of war. You ask the soldiers who go to the war, they retell you. Most of the bloods are what they don't get to people. They shoot in the air to scare. You can't let those people who joke about killings, addicts, and normal thing. They don't know what they are implant. They are planting in their families. And you, you we will wait. In America, every day, fifty people die of shooting. They shoot each other. They damage themselves like that. Uganda, we are in the process of damaging ourselves. When we take a killing, as if it is a job, it comes inevitably when it can't be. So, that you can't realize, now which relative sinner you want to tell us? Which is the relative? Like what? You can be relative, like uh, eating meat last. <laughs> When if you're eating meeting before, when others are still eating food and then that is we call it in ethics, that is a moral. It has no price tag. It is a cultural thing, but it's not a sin. For example, like what? No, which heart? We are we talk about in ethics we talk about conscience, formation of a conscience. Formation of a conscience and the religion you believe in. If I'm a Muslim, I'm allowed to marry how many? Four. Provided, provided you can love them and maintain them. Now, there, when you go to the fifth one, the sin begins. Before the fall, you have not sinned. That can be that is the religious context. But they have to know you must love them. Is it possible to love them equally? I'm not sure, because I've not practiced it. But what I know, those who have practiced it, they know that it is different. It is. So that is there. And for them, the polygamy begins after four. Because that is the other. For Christians, it is monogamy. After one is already poly, more than one is polygamy. That is rising, but because of religion. And but most learned Muslims, they end up having one 
And when you go to those who are worked in the, in the Arab countries, families have one wife. Why here in the black life matter? They want it for. Huh? So, anyway, mm -hmm. yes. Where? Which, which religion? Yes, the jihadists. You can, you know, I can manipulate religion in my own way. That's the manipulation of religion. Terrorists are manipulating religion. They are manipulating Islam. There's no way you are going to, in Christianity you go to heaven after you have sacrificed your life. Why do you think about, why do you want to sacrifice other people's lives to go to heaven? To defeat itself. And you want to be united with God, with the people's blood? No, no, no. So anyway, the, avoid, we are living in the modern trend where they call it contemporary relativism. That is a concept which goes with globalization. But its meaning is more that you can see things, the same thing you can see it from many perspectives. When I look at a tree, and I'm a charcoal burner, for me the tree, what is in the tree is only how many sacks of charcoal. Nothing else. That's a trend. Huh? I may look at the tree, I'm a medicine man. I mean, we have to preserve this for the next generation because that is our source of what? Income. Don't cut it. Cut it with elevation. Uh, if I'm looking for firewood, I, okay, I'll cut a few branches so that next year to be there also to give me the what? Uh, firewood. Um, then if I'm a botanist, if it has, it bears fruit, like I may not simply cut my what avocado tree or a mango because every season I get something to feed. I cut it reservedly, a few branches to leave the others. That is contemporary relativism, where I have different perspectives from about the same thing. But sin, mm, you have to be very careful about relativizing. Killing is killing, stealing is stealing, but you can call it embezzlement. If you are learned, you don't steal, you just embezzle. <laughs> people, these poor people steal chicken, but when you get a large sum of money, you embezzle. <laughs> Those are terms, but it's stealing is stealing. Land, you don't steal, you grab. You don't steal land, you grab, land you grabbing, but the same is stealing. So, uh, the identifying of sin is not, you have to be very careful. You have to know that, anyway, sin comes because of our choice, not because God made it that way. And sin, uh, which can infect um, the human nature as such is good, but is infected by evil, which leads to suffering. People, what does it mean here? By nature, people are good. 
I've never seen somebody holding a baby in the hand and said, he's going to be a thief. He's going to be a thief. <laughs> a baby is a baby. And it's neutral. When do people begin to become thieves? Sometimes. So, by nature, humans are good. And anything less than good comes later in our lives by the choices we make. So that's why when you go, whatever God created was good. And sin came because of bad choices we made. Then we ask a basic question in areas in the philosophy. Could God have created a human being who is incapable of sinning or making mistakes? Could God have created a human being who is incapable of making mistakes and incapable of making choices? Would that, would that have been a human being? No. Human being talks about freedom. That defines us. So in freedom we make mistakes. So have to be careful with the freedom. God, that's why God did not make a package we just follow. We follow God's will. What is entailed in God's will? I'm doing God's will. What is God's will? God will have three major elements. The first one is the one with ability. I'll explain. Second one, freedom. Thirdly, is opportunity. Opportunity, opportunity time. Now, God will not ask you more than what has given you. You're a human being. He will not ask you to be an angel. No. Whatever he asks you is to be within your ability. If you're mad, God will not ask you to go to the labor ward. You can't manage. Even if he don't ask you to carry a baby in the womb for nine months, you can't. You don't have the ability. Only women will manage that. So, God has given you your abilities. You must use them cautiously and prudently. So he not ask you more than that. So when you are doing his will, you are doing according to the ability he has given you. Because you have become the president. If you are the president, you have the ability to lead others well. Then, freedom. Here you have to make a choice with the ability they have given you to tally with his will and what you want. Because they are struggling for self-actualization. But in his regard, in, in, in which way? You have to realize yourself according to the plans God has for you. Freedom. Opportune time, rhythm of life. Opportunity. Now, to have the opportunity to be in a class today, because the internet is off, and, uh, and uh, you are back because of Corona has it. Minimize, minimize, but please remember, you are, I'm the only one supposed to talk without a, a mask because uh, I'm talking. Keep your masks on. 
By the time you left here, the disease was around on this university. Is it true? It was. And many members were sick. You can you imagine your nose. But for us, we know members were sick. <coughs> and you can get sick. Those are vaccinated yourself, vaccinate yourself if you can. But protect yourselves. Because the way I discarded is still there. And we say we have to live with it. So we will still need you. So, opportunity time, that is a timing. Uh, you must, now it is your opportunity time to be at school now. Other people don't have opportunity to be in school. Why? They don't have the means, they don't have the money. You have the opportunity to use that timing. Eh? Yeah. So, so make sure that, so the will of God is always very complicated thing. You can't simply jump into, I'm doing the will of God. Have you gained yourself? Have you explored all your abilities? Is your freedom, have you made the right choices, discernment? Is it the right timing? Because I have the book of God, it coherency. There's time for everything, for this and that and that. For them, it's not about chronological time, it's about this. Opportune time, which they call kairos in the Greek. To strike a kairos is a very, very delicate issue. They call it the rhythm of life. The one rhythm is written like this. The one without vowels. Yeah? Rhythm of life. Check, is it within my rhythm of life? Can I manage? The other day we talked about somebody went to build a house and then he started building and was unable to finish. It was not in the one with the rhythm of life to build. She did not plan well. So it goes with the planning, with what you can afford and what you can't afford at a given time in history. So the will of God is dynamic. At every stage in one's life, you must cross-check. Is it the will of God? Before I go on to do ABC. And then you see for yourself. Therefore, <clears throat> that everything is good, evil brings suffering. The double meaning of work started at this time. Work is a very, very good. But then they started telling us that after the sin of man, work brought in more suffering, of course. Exploitation started. But I'm asking a basic question. Were people not to work? If were they not sinned, were you going to continue with gathering fruits indefinitely in the Garden of Eden? So worker is a burden for you. Even studying is a burden. No. You get as much money as you want. You will tell me how miserable you'll be. That's why some people are miserable in this country. They continue planning evil because they have too much money. They, have, they don't have to know what to do. But those who get money in a good way, they plan good things. I met a person in the UK. And that person was a, a woman working in the post office. You know how much they are paid, or they are there, they are paid, but not very much. She landed on a jackpot. You know what a jackpot is? That is the lottery. 
which piles for almost a year, people are buying the tickets, and you get money to get 30,000, 30,000, uh, that was, eh, it was, yeah, what, 35,000, no, it was about, um, yeah, it was about, um, not 35, 350,000 pounds. Well, with that money, she could get, just invested in a bank every day, she could get um, interest of 2,000 pounds. In Uganda, how much money is that? No, no, 200, yeah, yeah could get 2,000 pounds. Eh? Mm -mm. No. She could get about interest was, yeah. That was. Uh huh. Now, not six million. No. Because they, 90, 90, 90.6. Is that okay? Yeah, 480 times 2. Times 1,000. Eh? It was, it was about two, 2 million. Uh, the two million is the pound is 48. Eh? 48. 48 How much comes to this? We are going to have 96. Like this. Five zeros. Five zeros. Are you sure? Yes. Uh-huh. So five zeros. This. That's 9.6. 9.6 million a day. Can you eat that money alone a day? So that woman, what she did, she opted to remain working. And she started a money, an organization which is money is managed by somebody else to help the poor people in the world. And even to help the divorced husband who was also miserable. Hey. Because they had a child and they were not good living in the good condition. So said, oh, even my husband, for my husband can get some of this money, God has given me. Now, she opted to remain working. Because when you have money and you have no work, you are very miserable. For us, we are struggling because you are struggling to get some little money. But when you get enough money, you have a lot of time on you, and you are not prayerful, you end up in a disaster zone. Either you become a drug addict or a serial killer. Yes. When there is no religion there, you have to remain working. It's not about money. It's about occupying your time. So work is not a burden. For too much exploitation, if you are not given rest, that's a burden. But work is normal. You need to work for some hours every day, then you relax. God created man as a free person, and it makes choices to obey or not to obey God. Hmm? To obey makes it just to obey all, not to obey. 
prayer and my notes are in mystery land. Then man refuses acceptance of his creaturely next state and wants to become a god. This distorted the human life. Eh? Man refused to accept his creaturely status and wanted to become a god. And this eventually distorted man's life. Because the snake cheated them, he was going to become a god. By the power, by the, but the power of experiencing everything in its totality. Now, man wanted to experience everything in its totality. He denied he wanted to be, wanted to be like, because the snake told them what? You are going to know eh? everything. Can you know everything? Yes. Yes. The what? Sun. The intensity. You mean the intensity of the heat? Uh huh. Uh huh. Now. What was the intention of making it brighter than what we have today? <laughs> have you been in China? <laughs> I've been, I have friends who have been in China. They tell me in China, when even a student there, to wear a mask is an advantage, which you're wearing now because of coronavirus. When you leave your house, Without a mask, you come back with your nose full of dark smoke. It is a polluted country. Now, if already it's a polluted country, why do they add on more pollution? Maybe the intensity to improve on the intensity of the sun to produce more energy is okay. So they, they, what they do, they generate more heat or beams to what? To bring in more energy. It's okay, no problem. But the, the, it can't be, yes please. But it can't be hotter. To create more heat, brighter only, without much heat. But what will, what will the brightness help? So, what do they use? They store that brightness. Uh -huh. How does it affect the, the world? How does it affect the environment? Mm. So anyway, the only thing, it is good to be creative, but the consequences of our creativity must be also gauged. I can produce poison, which is very poisonous and never poisoned as it existed. Is that a mark? It can kill many rats, but if it lands on humans, it's going to destroy more. more. Yeah, innovation is good. Okay, God never created an atomic bomb. Did God create? No. He was very poor in the science. But there was no need. Because an atomic bomb destroys. And in Japan, they are still paying the price. After that Nagasaki bombing in the Second World War, 70 years on, 
the effects are still there. Now, do we need more uh, harms racing to the world where they are free to make it? Can, do we need a nuclear energy? Yes and no. We need it for the provided. I always add provided we can handle. Already, the oil we are getting from, where is it cheap or whatever, Hoima? We can't handle. We don't have experts to handle oil refuse. Have you been there? Yes. Where do they put the wasted? The swamps. Okay. <laughs> Who the swamps? <laughs> Not only swamps, they have created bankers, concrete bankers. After that waste, what do they do? They cover it. When to the past 200 years to come, who will suffer? The generations of this country. For us, we'll be in heaven, no problem, no problem. But they suffer because we are enjoying. Innovation is good. Anyway, take the case. Eh? My friend, technology does not simply come up to solve your unnecessary problems. Uh, do you follow what is going on in Glasgow these days? Do you listen to the BBC and other radios which are credible? Not these cables and others. Ah, not at all. Ah, listen to what is going on there. It's a hot debate. This flooded in Kampala. It has been raining. Since for the last four days, there's no rain in it. So it comes just a little, little, little. There it is. On Wednesday, it was heavy. Last night, it was heavy. In the material, it was ever so heavy. But I was happy there. It showed them like the real meaning of global warming. Unfortunately, a tree hit my bananas. Ah, terrible. <laughs> but I will not the cause. As soon as, since Kassile Gwanga died, the people in the Kabuwambo started cutting all the big trees, the mangoes that have been there for 100 years. They started cutting. They were only fearing because of the Kwanga. Since he died, the whole village has lost all the trees, which are big. Now the wind comes, goes All the maize is down, the beans are down, and everything. The technology will come and solve. Before I solo, you receive, you receive the music. Anyway, for me, I'll face the music because I'm not the one who cut them, but also have to go through the consequences. Now, what is original sin? I hear you talk about it in the church. What is original sin? Are we to, what, are we to do anything with the sin of Adam? Adam was not my grandfather. What am I to do with it? These priests are uh, they're teaching things we don't know. Huh? Original. What is this? We are baptizing. You bring your child to be baptized to take our original sin. What is this? Crazy. Original sin is real minus the sin of Adam. Original sin, that means concupiscence in me. Ha! <laughs> It's a big one. You have heard about it? Okay, we hear about it today. 
Kontu Kontu Pisens Kontu Pisens That in me In each one of us There is that drive The urge To be attracted to sin It is inbuilt in us. You know what St. Paul, Saint Paul put, says, I know what is right, I do what is wrong. That is concupiscence in us. We are influenced either by society or by those things in, around us and we go wrong. But we know what is right. So that urge in us, it is there. And we needed to deal with it. So we have to make sure we fight it. That inner drive in me and in you. So original sin is all about that we are so much related to Adam. Humanity has it in itself. In ourselves we have it. That's the power of evil. And also this in me can be personal. Can be inherited. Anger and so forth. Times are very. My grandfather was an uncle, was a tough man, could lose his temper, no joke. Good. For him, not for you. You inherited it, but don't be proud of it. You must know. Don't keep your anger in the side. It destroys you eventually. Yes. Oh, they go away. They go away. But then they come back as you grow. <laughs> because as they come into different situations, they come back. <laughs> they can do, not even, even if your grandfather alone. When you are in the womb of your mother, something happened. There was a quarrel in the family, which you didn't know about. But you had. That's what human growth and development tells us. You heard about it, and what affects your mother affects you. Your mother was given, if she was not given enough money to go to the hospital and whatever, they were struggling, all those things enter into us. Culturally, that is what they say. And psychologically, it is true. That we pick those things in our family circles as we grow up. That's why a pregnant woman should be given a lot of comfort. Because you're not only annoying her, you're annoying even those in the, the mother, woman, in the child in the womb. And it's going to be a problem to society. That's why they're studying in counseling there. That's why even in Bugansi, if a woman could steal, put things in the gomez inside, the child begins to learn how to steal. Hey! Don't laugh, these are reality. So we are born in the social structures around us where there is a lot of sin and we take them in. So the child is born in a contaminated setting. Not because he has made the choice to sin, but those around has caused him to sin. That's why we do when we are baptizing, we are cleansing. And we are advising, you have brought this child in the church, endeavor to let them that your relatives and friends can make you to follow the right path. 
But then you grow up in a family where you're addressing this struggle and all that. These things enter into us. But then you ask me, what if you enter and you are in such a setting? Can't you be a better person than them? It is possible. Yes. Yeah. Now, that is their theology. I'm talking about my theology. In the Baha'i, they don't even baptize. You are, and even you are not accepted to be a member of Baha'i until you are 15, you make a choice to be a member. For us, we baptize. And we are, I'm explaining original sin. By bringing the notion of baptism because we say, why should you baptize the child when it is young? Already when the child is young, has not made a decision, a reason by himself. But the way I one has grown up in that time of pregnancy and after delivery and so forth, the family setting is a problem. Problematic. That's a is the child having, having an inclination to sin? No, but there are, what is around him already has been contaminated. So that's what we need to clear as we baptize. Then, so the social structure, all those things. So that is original sin as a concupiscence. That I'll look at it. This original sin also, after some time, before you could blame your family setting, you have to blame, also you have to blame yourself. You can be the origin of sinfulness. Though you are born in the family where things are disorganized, your personal decision begins, what you call sin begins with you now. You might have inherited something, but now it is me. And we call this lack of divine grace, lack of the spirit of God guiding us. That's the time called personal sin that I make my choices which prevent me to be actualized as God wanted me to be. And that called a personal dimension of original sin. That evil power which interferes with my journey to be free and to act positively according to God. Then, and this original sin can also be seen as something that anxiety. Anxiety begins sin. Concupiscence, anxiety, and all that is involved. Whenever you're anxious, you can make a lot of mistakes. Can we take away anxiety from our life? No. Anxiety will be there. Because you are confronted with different situations. We only need to handle, to be aware. Now, I'm very anxious. I should minimize the way of handling my things as such. So, that is a sin. Can this sin, original sin, be social? Because we saw it is a concupiscence, it is a personal, but so can it be social. The society where we have grown up, like in Uganda, I don't know who take away the sin from this country. <laughs> sin begins in the traffic code in Uganda. When I grow up, there is nothing. When the traffic code of Uganda, there is no mass out. <laughs> you have to alight at the stage. Kuchikirida. 
Chambuka. And then you begin to abuse as much as you want. It's nothing like that. That is sin in the social structure. And they explain, they call it free trade. Because they are competing with taxes, you can't stop anywhere. How many people have died because of those stopping abruptly? Border borders and many, many. Did God want them to die? I'm not sure. <laughs> Over speeding, you see, in the social structure. Eh? We lost the hair in here. Even the border border was riding, but even the security officer was very, very speedy. So, so seen because I'm a soldier, nobody, I'm untouchable, therefore I can drive the way I want. Then if I'm approaching the police checkup, who is the police? And I'm a soldier. So, so seen. So, these are the things in the social structures. Beginning from the family, from the school where I learned, from the, the village, all these which have made life in, as if it is normal, because that's the order of the day, but they are not approved internationally. They can be a source of sin, and sin in these social structures. This is Social structures can be anything, can be a school, a setting, a group of people, and so forth. Then, can I feel guilty because other people are sinning? Other Ugandans are stealing wood in the Congo. Should I feel guilty? Yes. I feel actually, I feel guilty. Because people are doing bad things which should not be done to our neighbor. Could I stop it? Have no energy to stop it. Have I accepted it? Have I condoned? I'm not condoning with it, but I'm unable. So, liberation theology tells us that even if you can't fight it, educate people. Education can help. That after some time they realize that what we are doing is terribly wrong. wrong. If you can't fight them by changing them, change them by telling them this is terribly wrong. That is social guilt, which arises from the social sin in the... Am I responsible for their sins? No. When does the responsibility begin? Those who have studied ethics. To begin the human act. What you have done knowingly, willingly, and cautiously. I hope I'm talking to those who have done ethics. And they know. Okay. So now, social sin is not about me. When they're stealing in the Congo, I'm not responsible for stealing anything in the Congo. And when I'm building my house, I'm not going to look for mahogany. Because if I'm encouraging people to bring in mahogany, and I know Uganda does not produce mahogany, and the people are dying in the Congo because of mahogany should be brought here, I don't build it, I don't buy a mahogany table. Let me buy products from here. I not die. Social responsibility. Then, am I accountable? Yes. 
I'm not responsible, but I'm accountable. My fellow Ugandans are stealing from Congo. And when, they, they are, when, we, when we meet in a meeting and say, you Ugandans are thieves, I can't refuse. But it's a, it's a fallacy. Uh, it's a mistake, you could say. The best way would say, some Ugandans are thieves. Because in a political thing, you have to demarcate between all and some. We have not made a research at all. So some Ugandans are thieves. So I may be, now if my family has people with which, who practice witchcraft, am I responsible? No. Am I accountable? Yes. Have the right to tell them what you are doing is not right. They are not responsible for their mistakes. So then you can say, is the sin, social sin, inevitable? It is essentially not. Once you are living in that, you are part of that society. You share their sinfulness. But you can go beyond that and say, I can liberate myself. I don't get involved. I'm not responsible. But though I'm accountable, I'm not responsible for their mistakes. But then what I do? I begin to journey to say that I'm not going to participate in what they do. Therefore, social guilt, we feel guilty as individuals, but we can't stop the wrong in the society. Guilt means that well, it normally stems from the individual acts. So social guilt in the structure acknowledging that. You know the Pope, what did he do? The Pope apologizes all the mistakes done by the what? Previous, not popes, previous Christians in Canada, those in Germany, the Holocaust, Christians were involved. So John Paul had to apologize. This one is still apologizing. So as a leader, it just say you come home and you come go for hold and they said, your neighbor tells you, your mother treated me very badly when you are not here. People in your family, they are damaging our village. You now, what do you do? Why are you telling me? That, that reaction is not normal. We just apologize. I'm, I'm very sorry for the mistakes of my family. They have caused it to you. That is social guilt. Because you are part of the family, you apologize on your behalf, on their behalf, on their behalf. You may not change them much, but an apology is acknowledging that things are not working well for us. Now, as we looked at, as I have looked at, hey, you want to go? God bless you. Let me stop now. So. Next week you are going to go, we go quickly, next week we are going to talk about, uh, we are going to talk about, uh, as we are talking about sin, sin is not only what is floating in the world. In this world, we have what we call grace, the grace of God. And in every society, in every individual, in every family, there are moments of grace. People have been very good in our families. They made them to exist what they are up to today. As equally hard those who made mistakes. 
So, those moments when people have acted according to the will of God and brought changes in our family and society, we call them graced moments. So don't look only that there is sin in the world. There is also moments of grace. So we are going to look at that next week. So time is over. Have a blessed day. Go for the next lecture as soon as possible. But you are crowded in Hannes Uganda tree.